Hi, everyone. I'm Neil Malonsaw here on the Twyla After Show podcast. Joining me, of course, is my co-producer, Carl Wiggers, as well as co-host Avery Davidson and Kristen Oaks-White. Thanks, guys, for joining us. We're going to be talking about the show. And, of course, leading it off is a lot more water. We just can't seem to shut up about that. But, my God, the Mississippi River is high. It is now, I think, 60 days, a full two months past the great flood levels of 1927. And uh, we have, a, as we're recording this, a tropical system that is going to turn into a hurricane if the forecasts are true, and that is going to bring the water levels in New Orleans to a foot, 12 inches below overtopping. Well, let's let's also first bring up the name of said tropical system, Barry. Barry. Really? Yeah. Barry. Really? That's the best name you can come up with for hurricane. And put it this way, if the hurricane lives up to its namesake, mm-hmm. hopefully it won't do much of anything right. to Louisiana. Yeah, Barry. You better be knocking on some wood over there. Yeah. Uh, It's just amazing to me. We saw pictures today of a dude swimming on Canal Street, which is disturbing for more than one reason, um, not the least of which is that guy's got to be a tourist because no native New Orleans would want (laughs) to swim in that water. Uh, But they got eight inches. uh, They said no system in the country, no pumpage system would ever be able to get out that much water that quickly. And so, God, I hope that's not a uh, a presage of things to come. And what's crazy about that is it's, I mean, that's water in the streets of New Orleans before really the storm even mm-hmm. yeah I mean, I mean the storm is even... still forming in the Gulf right now exactly that's just, that's just the rain that's coming so you know I'm a bit of a nerd right yep so what I did earlier was I was poking around on uh, WFB's radar loop and I watched that area in New Orleans for about two straight hours was under a red cell and it the crazy thing is it just kept forming just north of uh, east of the city and going right over it, right over it. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's why. I mean, but if you think back, just a couple of weeks ago, we had seven inches of rain here in Baton Rouge and we had flooding here as well. We're so, back yeah. from D.C. that night, right? Yeah. 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 So, Which it, also got hit recently. They were underwater. Yes. Did you see that? They're right at commuting time. The whole that world's just, flooding. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it seems like it. I do want to talk about the fact that, uh, you know, and, and not related to this, but um, a couple of our farmers out there had cut some hay and they got some untimely rains there. And they that that little bit of rain, they got like a quarter inch after, was it Robert Duncan? That, no, that, no, it was Adam Callher. And I Adam spoke Carr. with him. It was three quarters of an inch, $10,000 hit to his operation. Right there. It, so. with, with hay, I mean, it a shower can mm-hmm. be a, can put you in a real bind. You know, as soon as you cut that hay and let it dry out, and then you get a rain on it, it does quite the opposite. I mean, it's very similar to cotton, right? Yeah, it's just like cotton. Speaking of cotton, Carl has a cotton story this week. Carl, tell us about that. Well, it was one of the really cool stories. Actually, I got this story from convention where uh, Kellen and Rachel Lee, they're farmers in Tinsall Parish, and uh, they presented during the cotton uh, commodity meeting there at the Louisiana Farm Bureau convention and. I was fixing to interview them at convention and kind of turn this for something quick. And I was like, wait a second, that's way too good of a story to not go out to their farm and tell mm-hmm. this, let them really fully tell this story. And one of the coolest things, so the story is Kellen, the farmer, is in this program that Rachel works with the NRCS and the Louisiana Cotton Board and all different kinds of cotton associations. They're working together, but the whole project is about showing transparency and and sustainability Mm -hmm. and the conservation steps that farmers, cotton farmers, are taking 
to show that the cotton industry, the Louisiana cotton, that U.S. cotton is a sustainably grown crop. And that's mostly for the consumers and the buyers, the, you know, um, merchants that are out buying, you know, cotton to make clothes with. And it is really cool to show that, you know, what they're doing, like the steps they're taking, and they're keeping it all, and it's really high-tech with the app they're using, like, to show what applications are running through the field, you know, what conservation efforts they're making as far as, you know, water runoff and things like that. And it was just, it was really cool to kind of see it in action, see some of the stuff that they're doing. It was pretty cool. Uh, I know a couple of years back, Neil and I got to go to Cotton Incorporated right. in uh, Raleigh, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. Yep, uh, and it's been a few years. Uh, but we got to see, go there right about the same time that charged cotton and wicking window, windows were becoming a thing mm-hmm. with, with cotton. And it was like, what they do research-wise for the cotton industry, they really do have it together, and they do a good job of showing it off. And I think opening the doors to consumers is really going to help out. I've got a question. What Do, do cotton farmers do something different in terms of sustainability practices, or is there something that's unique to cotton? Honestly, not really, which that's was correct. one of the cool things. And I, I had to ask them out on the way. I was like, wait, by the way, is there anything really like revolutionary that you're doing? He said, we're documenting what we've been doing for what my parents had, had, had done and even my grandparents have done. It's things like, you know, minimal till, like low, like no-till right. crops and cover crops and things that we've done stories on, you know, plenty of times here on the show. And Yeah, don't you know it's about marketing? <laughs> I mean, all you do is say, hey, look, we're doing this. And even though you've been doing it forever, oh, it's something new because you pointed it out. Yeah, right? but it is it is important, and I'll say this, because sustainability and regenerative farm practices are becoming a, a more trendy thing. They've always been there, but they're trending in terms of the media attention that they're getting. And so that documentation for farmers is very important because when people start to come back and look at farmers and say, you know, well, we need to be doing this all over, well, we already are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly right. I mean, that's what Rachel was saying. That's what uh, Kellen were both. They were both saying this is just to show our work. You know, in in elementary school, you had to do out all the math problems and you had to write your oh, God, you know, work. That. <laughs> it was terrible. But that's exactly what they're doing. They're showing their yeah. work. They're documenting it. And what's cool is uh, farmers. You know, cotton farmers can all participate in this program now. It launched to kind of open to the public in June, and. Any cotton farmer can sign up and be part of this and use the same tools, be in, go in there and put their inputs in, and they can see kind of their score. I'll show you in the in the story. I'll show it has like the, these eight metrics that it has this – it's called a spider-gram, I think. And it spider-gram. Shows, it shows the eight metrics. It can do like, anything a spider can. Yeah, <laughs> That's exactly land, where I was going in my head. <laughs> it shows land use, you know, what, what your greenhouse emissions are and all these kind of things. And it shows your score. And the smaller your web can be, the smaller your footprint is. And you can kind of try out different things. That's what one of the neat things was. They don't have to do it for an entire year to see mm-hmm. what that impact is on their land, where it be yield or, um, you know, just what's good for their soil. They can put it in the program and see kind of what it may be. What do they win for that, Johnny? <laughs> they, don't, they don't win anything other than just being able to be more transparent and more uh, ah. more helpful and, I guess, showing, you know, how, how they're doing things on their farm for the consumer, the, the buyers at the end of the day. Which I, I think is really, like I said, it's going to become more and more important. They may not win anything now, but I think it will be play a more important role in the it's, future. It's also just a way for farmers to tell that story of sustainability, mm-hmm. that this isn't something new. And that's one of the things that Kellen kept saying is that I just want to tell the story. You know, yeah. as best we can. 
So it was, it was, it was one of the cool things. And he, he was talking about documenting. If you guys hear like some shutter snaps here and there, that's because we're documenting this right here. <laughs> Monica Velasquez, our graphic designer slash photographer Come slash say hi, Monica. Uh, K-pop expert because (laughs) yes because Monica knows all about K-pop she's always the one I go to if I have a a question about what was the pink one pink Blackpink. 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 Yeah, I was curious about Blackpink, and uh, so I went to her as our resident How K-pop did we get on expert. This? What, is, what is K-pop? What is happening? What do you mean? What is K-pop? Korean pop music? Yeah, I don't Korean. know how Korean. it's connected to cotton. It's Korean pop music that is becoming more and more popular in American culture now. So it's kind of going on with the hip hop culture. Well, so is it, style. Is it like is it like Hamilton? No. no. Um, I no. feel like for you, Carl, yes, it would be like Hamilton, <laughs> but for the rest of no. us, no. Not. I feel like. What K-pop is for what's coming into hip-hop culture is going to be what Little Wayne is to Kristen. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. And that's where that's where her vocabulary really explodes. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I have equal disdain for all of your music, musical tastes. So well, I don't, <laughs> Anyway, that, moving that, on. That's your boy from your neck of the woods, uh, Holly Grove. <laughs> what's that? Oh, Holly Grove. You grew up in Holly Grove. I know it. Oh, I don't even know right? what's okay. happening right now. <laughs> anyway, we're going to move on to uh, now, my what was, story. What was your story about? My story was about grocery store prices. I went and uh, met with Blaze Calandro there. He is the manager and fourth generation there at Calandro. It's one of the neat things. Of course, grocery store prices are flat. That was the main thing we, we got right now. They're only like less than one quarter of 1% over last year. The real neat thing, and it's something I hope to do in a Twilight Extra here, is talk about uh, show Blaze Calandro's family history and involvement in this and with his involvement in the farmers and ranchers. His grandfather and grandmother started it, and they mm-hmm. were like a convenience store. Calandro's was a, a little tiny hole in the wall on Government Street. And they were um, uh, they were they're descended from Italian immigrants um, from the Florida parishes right there along that uh, produce sort of valley we've got in Tangipahoe mm-hmm. Parish. There were a lot of Italian immigrants that settled there, and they're from that who opened up a grocery store in Baton Rouge. One of the thing, neat things Blaze said is a lot of the relationships his grandfather established with farmers are still extant today. Those generations have come down, they're the mm-hmm. grandchildren, and he's got relationships with them because they're still farming out there. Uh, one of them is Hofstetter Farms, which brings them Calandros, their tomatoes, which look beautiful, by the way. And they're doing hydroponic stuff, they're doing all this modern stuff, but they go back at least three generations. I remember we went and shot at the Kentwood, I mean, the um, the Government Street location of Calandros, right. and they had Kentwood tomatoes there. That's, and I remember you and I making from. a couple of jokes there at the same time. Yeah, Can't believe well, y'all made jokes. No. no, no it, we're never funny. Never. Ever. Um, so anyway, the uh, it, it's a really neat story, and um, uh, but the good news is is that for four years running, these this Fourth of July holiday survey has come back with flat prices across the board. There are some um, items, of course, that are up in price and some are down. And like I said on set, I really think one of the best things about this is the fact that. We're seeing a much more normal situation in the meat department. You know, there's not this shortfall of, of beef supplies and live, the national livestock herd is back up. And so supply and demand, normal market conditions are helping balance everything out. What kind of meat what was in the survey? We, they did hot dogs. And ground round, of course, for hamburgers, as well as pork spare ribs. Hmm. One of the new things that they did was, this is the first time they've done it, they looked at online prices. So what (laughs) happens when you have grocery delivery prices? And it was 
almost 38% higher than the 13 items surveyed by going to the grocery See, stores. I'm going to show that I'm an old fuddy-duddy in that I refuse to let someone else do my grocery well, shopping. Oh and, my gosh, and, it's so worth it, though. <laughs> well, no, but but I, I don't, I'm very picky about my produce. I am so too, like, but I'm telling you, they've been spot on. <laughs> See, one Walmart of the things. Walmart grocery delivery is and that's what Blaze is looking into. His background is actually in computer engineering. And so they've been reluctant to jump into this market until it's saturated, until they can bring that same Calandro's hands-on quality to everything they do with the online delivery. But as Kristen said, it is coming up. It is a viable system, and it's. I, I think it's working really well. The reason I was asking about what meat was on there, I didn't know if brisket was covered and what the price for a good brisket was. That's, yeah. that's why I said it's. But I think that's why it stays flat because those items don't change. The higher-priced items aren't really yeah. on there. Just, but burgers and hot dogs, that's everybody's 4th of July. Right. Unless you got a Traeger. And what'd you, did you Traeger anything special? Not on the 4th of Traeger July, life. but we did, I did. On Monday, I did do baby back ribs oh, for man. the first time by myself. So. By yourself. If anybody didn't know, Kristen is the grill master at her house. I'm going to take all the credit from Landon since he's not here to defend himself. Now, but, he does he does fillets and steaks really well on Traeger. So. Got you. Really popular item, and, and they had talked about that, that that's one of the things that the people come in and look for at the grocery stores, what meat they can put on the grill there. Mm -hmm. And uh, with that appetizing thing, we've got some more stuff on Twyla, but I think we're going to wrap it up right there. Um, unless any final thoughts, anything? Well, no. Real quick, on the rest of the show, we have horses, we yep. have rice. We mm -hmm. have a farmer's market in Ruston, and we have a video that Kristen worked on for convention. Actually, we all, I think, chipped in, but Kristen did the heavy lifting on it. Uh, it's a really great video that highlights what Louisiana Farm Bureau is all about. Mm -hmm. Tell Anything us a little bit about, about that, it, just real Kristen. quick. Uh, real quick, we, we asked farmers one simple thing. It's what does Farm Bureau as an organization mean to you? And their answers were all over the board. We had some people that said, you know, it is the voice of Louisiana agriculture. It, it speaks for us when we can't be at the Capitol. Um, some people said it was it gave them opportunity, leadership, um, empowerment, and but there was one unified answer that everybody kind of said, and that was that the Farm Bureau is truly a family. It's a it's a family of farmers that work together and they support each other when times are good and times are bad. So, and one of the neat things about that that video actually influenced the sermon that uh, Robert Warren gave at the memorial service. Mm -hmm. He based it all around Farm Bureau family. And so I think it's great to kind of see it go full circle from the membership to the staff putting to get something together to it influencing the membership again. And what's also cool, and I know we can each attest to this in different ways, but the Farm Bureau family is not just reserved for those mm -hmm. farm members, the, the the farmers that are on the camera, but it's also for us. I mean, we see that same thing in your life. I mean, when you your house oh. flooded, mm -hmm. you know, when we lose a loved one, when we get married, when we have children, when we, any time a life uh, event happens, we get to experience that as staff as well. And it's really cool to yeah, be a part I of mean, that. To this day, I refer to our washer at home as the Woldridge washer because Marty Woldridge up in Caddo Parish gave us enough money to buy a new washer following the 2016 flood. And we always talk about Jim Monroe and the way that he was one of the first to your house. The first. The first. The first one to get to my house after the flood. Yeah. He came by for a visit today. It was really good to see him. And that's just one of the things. He's a retiree now, but I hope he comes in all the time. Just like many of the other retirees, you see him all the time. It's weird to Bobby see Bobby Lofton and It's weird to see Noah a visitor Babineau. tag on him. Yeah, like, it's weird right. to see that. Yeah. Man, we always... shouldn't make him wear a visitor tag. No. Come on. He, he doesn't need, he don't need no stinking 
fucking badges. <laughs> hey, he's always the boss to us. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, it should be a great show. Hope you like it. And uh, we'll see you next time. On behalf of Avery, Kristen, and Carl, I'm Neil Malasson. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and even share it with a friend or two. Also, if you liked it, go ahead and leave us a review. Tell us what you think about the show. What would you like to hear more of? What do you not like that much? That's okay to hear too. The Twilight After Show podcast is brought to you by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Louisiana Farm Bureau is the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again right here next week. Next week.